Welcome back to the Light on Suitability podcast. In this week's episode, Daryl and Sean talk about how they learned to become disciplinary free in prison and earn their freedom through a lengthy period of positive rehabilitation. We will probably revisit this topic with Daryl and Sean and other guests in future episodes. One of the main takeaways for me, again, was that it all comes down to the willingness to change our way of thinking and then learning how to do that. This is also a great way to work the 12 steps, in particular, the first step, come to think of it, the eight, the nine steps, and almost every step of the 12-step program. We hope you enjoy this short episode, and I have another short episode about exploring why we can't always choose to do the right thing just because it's the right thing to do, and instead only do the right thing if there is a benefit attached to it. Daryl and Sean will provide some illumination about this phenomenon. We have some interesting guests, which we hope will be on the podcast in the very near future as well. Hope you enjoyed this brief conversation. Sean, how did you learn how to stay disciplinary free? In general, for me, I had to learn to remove myself from certain people and I had to learn how to obey Right. Because, you know, we have this, you know, this that gang mentality that I had was, you know, I ain't got to listen to you. You're the police. That false sense of pride that I had to where, you know, somebody telling me to do, especially if they said it to me the wrong way. Right. You know, you do you. I'm a grown man. How you going to tell me what to do? You know what I mean? For me, I had to learn that obeying the rules is OK. It doesn't make me less than a man. That was important for me. You know, I had to change my thinking. My thinking was just way off. And so once I was working on my thinking, hanging around the right people to where I would make a comment and they'd be like, no, nah, brother, that ain't, you know what I'm saying? That ain't cool. You shouldn't be thinking like that. Like you're in recovery, you, you're a role model. Like, what is you doing? You know, and so they corrected me. And sometimes I didn't want to hear it. And uh, you know, I would ju- try to justify it, but then, <laughs> but then I'd be like, okay, you right. Especially when I sit back on my bed at night and I just go over my day, how my day went, or in my prayer, I just realized that, hey, you got to obey the rules. Because if you can't obey the rules in prison, you ain't going to obey the rules when you get to the streets. Because you're being watched at all times in prison. Not only are you being watched by staff, but you're being watched by inmate staff. And so you really ain't getting away with anything. Daryl contested that. We worked in the program office. And we had people coming in there all the time telling them things that had nothing to do with them. <laughs> and that was really an eye-opener for me. And Daryl him was the MAC chairman. I was the clerk. The staff knew about stuff, you know, some things that me and Daryl didn't know about. For me, these were the things I do. Change my thinking, change the people I was going around, and just told myself, hey, you got to obey the rules in here in order for you to obey the rules out there. I've changed myself literally inside. So when things got hard, I didn't go in them different directions. When, when 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 I see certain areas and people is over there or family members, I don't go over there. I don't engage in that. So them were some of the things I did. For me, and Elizabeth, I'm terribly ashamed to say that I have an extensive disciplinary history. Ashamed. Um, I mean, really. Um, and and Sean, no. I mean, I, I accumulated over 20 115s and at least 14, 15, 128s. And, you know, I, I got in a lot of trouble. Um, so it was, it was, and it was easy for me because I had this, uh, 
this flaw of thinking. I had the closed thinking. You know, I felt that anything anyone said negative towards me was factual. And you think I'm tough, I'm gonna show you. You think I'm bad, I'm gonna show you I'm bad. But I had to come to the reality of what's 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 important to me. I had to prioritize. At one point in time when I thought I was never getting out of prison, it didn't matter what happened. But once I believed that I was gonna get out of prison, I made my family more important than me. You know, not just freedom, but my family. Um, but people who have shared love and stood by my side, I made them more important than me. And I said, I used to tell myself, when people crossed me, because I got in trouble in 2017 when I shouldn't have. My last time I had a fight and a person swung on me, hit me. I told, we talked about it before. Although they say I shouldn't have hit back, I wasn't groomed like that. I wasn't raised like that. I figure if you hit me, you're trying to hurt me, so I'm gonna stop you from hurting me. And I'm not telling anybody to get hurt. However, I have to think about what's more important. Uh, my, my pride, my reputation in prison, or me being able to see my parent, my mother before she passes away. Me being able to, to see a child, see a wife and see siblings. You know, we have to put our priorities into perspective. And it's hard for a person inside of prison when you don't have contact with your family, for one. Family members, reach out to your loved ones and let your loved ones know that you really do care and that you want to see them. Because when they think they don't have anybody, they only have people in prison. And I know people who will stay in prison because that's the only family they have. And then once you get your mind, your priorities in perspective, as far as being out of prison, is it weighs so much heavier and weighs more than being in prison, then you have to charter a plan, a plan of action. Like Sean said, you got to change the way you think. You got to change the friends that you, the people you socialize with. You know, you, and sometimes, it, and it's a lonely road, but it yeah. pays off because it teaches you you know, to be independent. And that's what I'm encouraging people to become independent thinkers, yes. independent movers so that you can accomplish a goal. Because when you parole, you're by yourself. I was I was independently released. I wasn't released with the gang, with the crew, with the, you know. So right. you got to start formulating that mindset. If you want to go somewhere, it's you that's going to change and not the, they're not going to change for you. After we recorded our brief discussion about staying discipline free, we floated the topic of collateral benefits of staying discipline-free with respect to families and family visits. The main benefit of remaining discipline-free is the attitude of the officers toward families when they arrive for their visits. Officers know nearly everything there is to know about an incarcerated person. The first is whether they have any disciplines for possession of contraband, of whatever nature and for whatever reason, some of those examples are for personal use, distribution, trading, for canteen items, etc. One of the ways that contraband is introduced through prisons is through family members during family visits. Obviously, this requires the participation by prison staff on some level, even just turning a blind eye, but that is not really on point for these final comments. The point is that if your loved one is receiving disciplines for possessing contraband, such as cell phones, drugs, tobacco, and more, the first target of suspicion will likely be visitors to the prison by family members. When the incarcerated person is not engaging in this type of behavior, the family members are not going to be subject to the same type of scrutiny as they would if there is recent criminal activity happening. The other problem is that your loved one is exposing you, the family member, to possible criminal charges. Even if your loved one is getting his or her contraband from another inmate, his or her misconduct reflects on the family regardless and impacts 
how pleasant or unpleasant a visit will be. When a visit is unpleasant, family members are less inclined to return. And as Daryl mentioned, staying in contact with your loved ones is an important part of their rehabilitation process. Another clear negative outcome from disciplinary write-ups is that release on parole will be denied if there are write-ups within three to five years of the parole hearing. Disciplinary write-ups, as family members may or may not be aware of, create the penalty of suspension of visits. The takeaway from the conversation today is to encourage your loved ones to remain discipline-free and not enable them by funding their criminal activity or participating in their criminal conduct. As Sean and Daryl always mention, they want to see their friends go home. Become a supportive role in the lives of your loved ones. See you next week.